Hello, I'm Jeremy McMahon, meditation teacher, Tibetan Buddhist scholar, and audio engineer. And welcome to Meditating with Friends, a podcast where we explore meditation through friendly conversation. Each episode includes a guided meditation that you are invited to join. If you enjoy this podcast and are interested in working with me one-on-one to help deepen your meditation practice, send me a message on Instagram at Jeremy McMindfulness. Now, enjoy the show. All right, everybody. uh, Welcome to another episode of Meditating with Friends. I am Jeremy McMindfulness, aka Jeremy McMahon, aka Jeremy Winner. I feel like I might have to do that intro every time now. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, so welcome to Meditating with Friends. And today uh, we are speaking uh, with my good friend and uh, really one of my key artistic uh, collaborators, here in Brooklyn, uh, Alicia Kravitz. Now, I guess I could introduce what you uh, do, Alicia, but uh, why don't you just go ahead and tell us? uh, So who are you and uh, what do you do? Hi, Jeremy. I'm very excited to be on your podcast. Um, (laughs) My name is Alicia Kravitz. I am a photographer. I always say I'm a people photographer because anything I shoot has to do with people. So live events, parties, portraits, a lot of weddings. Um, But yeah, anything to do with people. I don't do buildings, food, still life. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, I could. And I could speak to that too. Yeah. Alicia is definitely uh, a people person when it comes to her photography. And that's really where we've collaborated a lot is, uh, through her taking photos of me. Um, so particularly for, uh, my, my bands and different, uh, albums and different, uh, music projects. Um, Mm -hmm. but also if you, uh, if you find me on Tinder, uh, you <laughs> might see a couple of her other photos yes, <laughs> uh, I that she's taken of need... me too. I get an invitation to every wedding whose Tinder profile picture I uh, created that made the connection. Yeah, that was, that was in the contract. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I am not engaged yet, uh, (laughs) not through Tinder, uh, or not through anything, but particularly not Tinder, but you know, when it happens, you'll definitely be on the list. Cool. And Um, very, um, off topic. I, I photographed one of my best friends getting engaged today. It was like a secret proposal or surprise. She didn't know in prospect park like an hour ago and it was amazing. So also, can I please photograph your engagement too? (laughs) <laughs> my secret engagement uh, yeah or whatever yeah. surprise engagement <laughs> surprise engagement <laughs> definitely yeah for sure for okay, sure cool. for that's sure. on the air so i'm holding you to that yeah yeah that's uh it's it's that's out in the public now it's part of the public record <laughs> amazing i can't wait uh, so yeah, so Ali's uh, uh, is really fantastic photographer, um, and yeah, you can hire her for for your weddings or your your surprise engagements. Uh, you know, considering with all things considering, you know, COVID and the pandemic and and all that. Mm-hmm. And so, actually, that's something you know something I do really admire about you um, and your work is that. Uh, you know, you're kind of living the dream, in my opinion, uh, you know, somebody that's 
always dreamed about uh, making money off of being a musician <laughs> and never actually having done it. What is so great about you is like you you're a professional photographer, but it is also your artistic practice. Uh, so I was wondering if you could talk about that relationship a bit between, um, you know, your professional working life and then using photography, uh, for your creative expression. That's such a good question. And I really appreciate it. And also I do want to say, I feel lucky that I think in photography in general, um, it's easier to make money (laughs) just to be honest. Like people need photos all the time. Um, so I think I'm like, it's not, I don't, I I think photography is just an easier field than music to make your living out of, but I separate it very clearly. Like my professional work and my personal work in my mind is very different because, um, one is generally documenting something, whether it's an event or a person, um, or a phase of life. So I think of myself a lot more as a technician, even a machine operator in those circumstances. Mm. Um, there's mm. specific shots that people want. Sometimes I get a face sheet. Sometimes I get a shot list. Um, and so then I'm just executing commands. Sometimes mm. people pay me to be creative, but it's um, less often. And then my personal work is just that. It's my own artistic interpretation of the world. And in the last couple of years, I've really moved towards conceptual portraiture um, because capturing things that the way they are is starting to bore me. So Hmm. personally, I like to interpret how I feel about something, whether that's like covering my whole body with it and taking a picture of of me or um, asking other people to act out something. Hmm. It feels more interpretive at this point. Right, yeah. And I mean, I've kind of seen that uh, develop in your work. I mean, when we've done photography, um, and it's always been great, like, we'll have, like, you know, an idea or not, but most of the time we don't even have an idea. We kind of just meet up and we're like, all right, let's just take some photos. But the, the mm-hmm. one I was specifically thinking of is when we did a photo shoot, the infamous sh- photo shoot with Party Dark, where we, <laughs> uh, Party Dark is my band, uh, by the way. Uh, uh, check us out on on Spotify. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the infamous photo shoot uh, where uh, Mikel and I uh, got in your bathtub and uh, fully clothed. Still uh, one of my still... best and favorite photo shoots to date. <laughs> yeah. So that one we had, is, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, we're just going to get in the bathtub. And uh, we were wearing clothes, uh, FYI, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those who haven't seen it. Um, but, you know, what I do appreciate about working with you is uh, is that attitude of, you know, of kind of spontaneity. And we, yeah, we have like a loose format, but then when we get together, we're like, you know, it, it is just, there's a sense of play to it. Um, that's, that's really fun and makes it really enjoyable. But, uh, you know, I've noticed in your work, like that you've posted on Instagram that, yeah, it is getting much more to, um, and, you know, it is more, you know, stylized, seems like it's more kind of like set up. Um, and so do you, do you still have that? Do you still feel like you have that sense of spontaneity when you do those portraits that are more kind of like more pre-planned out or more designed? 
Mm, also a really good question. Less so. I feel like now the spontaneity occurs at a different part in the process rather mm. than happening while I'm shooting. The spontaneity happens in the idea formation process. So mm-hmm. um, like it's it's like all these ideas are going through my head and then one becomes more clear and it's at that point that the spontaneity is happening. And then by the time I get to the actual shooting, at this point, the process is is very long and the actual taking of the photo is a short part of it. A lot of it mm-hmm. is like conceptual work beforehand where I'm thinking about the photo and yeah, now it's more set up and a little bit more chance things can still happen, but I have a clearer idea going in. Um, mm. And I will also say like, you're so fun to photograph because you're, you go along with the playfulness and you add your own elements <laughs> to it. Um, not everyone does. And so I got also very shy about photographing people when I felt like my ideas were too weird or I would make them uncomfortable. Mm. So I started to photograph myself. And sometimes I feel like it can be construed as I love photographing myself because I like the way that I look (laughs) or because like other reasons. But the reality is I am photographing myself a lot now, first because of COVID, um, but also Mm -hmm. because I'm photographing other people makes me nervous, which should Mm. be the other way around but I get very Mm. self-conscious. And so I've been photographing myself more and more because um, I'm intimidated to ask people to pose in something outside of the normal way of posing. So I'm working on that, but, but that's, I'm working out all these ideas on myself because I never get uh, annoyed or weirded out at my own process. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a good, good idea. And like, you know, because if you are photographing yourself, yeah, it is like, completely contained within uh, yourself. And I mean, I've, I've kind of experienced that, you know, I, with my music, you know, I write songs with other people, but I also write songs myself. And sometimes when I am writing myself, like it kind of gives me, I feel like I do have more room to like, uh, you know, try try new crazy things you know mm-hmm. in a way because like it's just me here um rather than like playing into somebody else's expectations um but with that being said i think you should be a little more bold uh <laughs> i'm and, trying uh, i really uh, am. tell people to, to do it and of course you know i'm i'm always happy for you to practice on me and i don't mind yeah i don't know i don't i don't mind you know kind of getting out there into my getting out of my comfort zone because I definitely you know you definitely have asked me to do a couple weird things here and there but I'm all- <laughs> <laughs> cool well I'm also gonna hold you to that because yeah I always feel I like using friends the best um I always feel like collaboration is the most fun thing and for me it's the most rewarding I have certain photographer friends who never photograph their family never photograph their friends because they keep it that mm. separate but to me the the most fun thing is to create photos with friends it's like hanging out with your friends but more fun yeah i mean that's like that's how i I view music too is always like you know it's it's just so rewarding to you know to collaborate with somebody and then walk away and be like oh yeah we have this thing that we did and rather than it just being like oh yeah we hung out for two hours you know like Mm -hmm. so yeah i totally agree with that um, yeah. but I guess we should theoretically <laughs> get into some meditation <laughs> talk. talk. About meditation? Cool. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I don't know. I, to me, like what we've talked about already a lot 
you know, I feel like reverberates with meditation in terms of like, you know, your artistic practice, it's a practice, you know, it's developing, it's changing uh, as time goes on, which, you know, your meditation practice should evolve and change too. Um, and also just like when you're, what you were saying about following the ideas now and how the spontaneity kind of comes with, um, the planning before the photo shoot rather than actually in the moment of taking the photo. Um, you know, that's another thing related to meditation and how kind of ideas just sort of like pop up in your mind. And, uh, when, when you are meditating and when you're not meditating too, it's just, that's just kind of the nature of, of your mind is how it kind of pops up, um, or how ideas pop up, but proper meditation talk, I suppose. Um, well, have you meditated before? Have you ever meditated before? Yeah. First I question. meditate quite often. Um, mm. I meditate, I would say six days a week. I usually take one day off a week from everything. Um, but mm-hmm. I've never been trained to meditate. So I've read a couple books about it and listened to a few, um, things, including your podcast. Uh, <laughs> but I, I haven't ever like gone to any kind of workshop or learned a particular, um, school of meditation. Cool. Um, so what do you do when you meditate? I sit cross-legged, Um, I usually only meditate for 10 to 15 minutes and I think that's kind of short, but when I do longer, I I, I can never, I don't think I'm very good at meditating. That's the thing. I do it, but I'm not Mm. good at it. Um, but I do it anyways, because I read Zen mind beginner's mind, um, Mm -hmm. by an author whose name I can't recall Japanese, um, a couple of years ago. I know the book. Uh, I don't know the author though. It's, yeah, I'll look it up, but, but it, it was really, it's a beautiful book and he really emphasized that in Zen Buddhism, you, the important thing is to do it. So even if you're yeah. not, um, getting to a deep place every time the action of doing it is what matters. And so that mm-hmm. I kind of adopted that as my mentality. So I meditate almost every day, but often I feel like I'm not doing it right or, I'm not getting any deep revelations out of it, um, mm-hmm. but I do it anyways. To answer your question, I just sit. I, I I breathe. I count my breaths often. Sometimes I repeat a mantra. Sometimes I do a body scan. Often I mm-hmm. visualize each um, chakra and breathe in and out of them for a certain time. Um, mm-hmm. But generally, I just sit. Yeah, well, that's there's nothing wrong with that. And I was just going to say, I totally agree um, with uh, whoever that author is and the men- that mentality. That's exactly the mentality I try to foster uh, in my own meditation practice and with, you know, the people that I'm helping with their meditation practice. Uh, so I would also say... Uh, don't be hard on yourself but that you're not bad at meditating if you're doing it, <laughs> you know, I, I still, yeah. but I still do that. I still feel bad uh, that I'm, I'm not a good meditator. And sometimes I'm like, why am I teaching people about this? I'm crazy, you know, <laughs> but no, you're a good uh, meditator. And also <laughs> you, you know, more of the, you know, more of the actual, like, what do I want to say? The theory behind it or the 
the techniques, you know, like you've studied more formally. So you yeah. also have that to offer in teaching. Yeah. I mean, I think I have the, the history, uh, of, of Buddhism is really uh, something that separates me from a lot of, of meditation teachers out there. Um, and yeah, just that I've, you know, I've had experience with living in Asia, uh, living in Nepal and India and seeing, you know, how Buddhists, how Asian Buddhists, you know, practice Buddhism and how it is, you know, very, very different than mm -hmm. what most people in the West think of when it comes to Buddhism. Um, but uh, I appreciate that. Um, but I, again, I would just commend you on, you know, doing that practice 15 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes a day, I think is totally fine. I don't know. I mean, again, people are always, some people are really hardcore about it and they're like, oh, you got to do like two 20 minute sessions a day. But like, I don't know, especially in the beginning, that's just like too much. And so I think working your way up to 10, 15 minutes a day and that you do it consistently, like that's really where the progress is, you know, um, I always talk about, you know, how, you know, people go on these eight day Vipassana retreats, you know, and they meditate for eight hours a day, every day for, you know, like what, eight days or whatever. And then, uh, you know, after that, they never meditate again. <laughs> I'm like, that's, <laughs> right. that's, 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 that's not how to do it. Um, so I would say, yeah, you're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I also feel like I hear most often the two 20-minute um, meditation sessions a day, which I think is transcendental. Like that's where I came yep. from. But yep. I, I try to think of it as like, okay, I might sit and, and do that kind of meditation for 10 minutes a day, but then I try to bring the same mentality to everything that I do because I think mm. – for me personally, having a broader idea of meditation is helpful because then it's not just confined to the 10 minutes that I'm sitting in silence. But um, when I walk, when I read, when I swim, when I'm with a friend, I try to also apply that same mentality of just being fully present. And and so I think mm -hmm. rather than doing two 20-minute sessions for me, I do the 10 minutes and then I just try to make the rest of the day a meditation in its own way, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And I mean, that's, I think that's what you want. And that's always what I also try to emphasize when I teach me meditation is that, and what I've noticed in my own experience is that it, it really starts to, to spill out, you know, first of all, it naturally starts as like kind of spill out from your meditation session into your everyday life. But it's also like, that's the point of meditating, right? <laughs> is, mm -hmm. is not, not really the, the experience that you have while sitting down, but more about how it affects your experiences when you're not sitting and you're not meditating. Mm -hmm. um, again, for me, I think that's what it's all about. And I know like a lot of people have, I know a lot of people have these ideas about meditation in terms of like, you know, I think really what they want to get out of meditation is more of like akin to like a psychedelic experience, you know, mm -hmm. and that they really want something that kind of like, you know, blasts them out there into like another dimension or where they like, you know, get to experience pure light or kind of have this like, you know, a mystical experience essentially. But for me, and this just seems to be more 
more and more true as I continue my practices. Like, you know, the real like mystical experience or the real kind of, yeah, the real mystical experience is like, is actually being present in reality. Mm-hmm. Like, so, totally. so much of, so much of us are trying to like escape reality and people view meditation as being like an escape from reality, but really it's meant to put you in touch with reality. And, you know, the more kind of grounded being in touch with reality, I feel like that's become the more like true spiritual or true, like mystical experience for me in my life, rather than like, you know, uh, having some crazy kind of otherworldly out there mystical experience. Totally. And I think like where I am right now, what I've been thinking about a lot the last month is the balance between a deep knowledge of something and overthinking because I have a tendency mm. to overthink and I know that you also tend towards that sometimes. <laughs> and what? and I think <laughs> I don't know if anyone else outside the podcast about. do that, but yeah. uh, just so you all know, we're the same in that uh, yeah. respect. And I think like, it, I think part of it is that culture enforces it so much. Like it becomes a thing. Like mindfulness is a big thing and like, meditation is a big thing. So I'm always seeing different articles and podcasts about it. And then I feel it, it takes this weight that it should be bigger than it is. And then I get in my head like, well, should I be going deeper with everything? Like, should I be tasting my food more? Should I be um, Mm -hmm. walking slower? And then I get in this whole cycle in my head of thinking it's not enough. And so lately I've been trying to tell myself like, everything is enough. And if I do this one thing, it doesn't have to have this deep, profound, life-changing meaning. I can just do it and move on and not think about it so much, which is a novel concept for me. And it's been really nice the the past two weeks that I've been trying to not overthink things. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a really, I think a really good realization for you and for everybody, for anyone really. Cause you know, I just, I feel our culture is so, uh, you know, over intellectualized. Um, and you know, that's like what we, uh, really appreciate in our culture, you know, is, uh, is intellectualism, you know, thinking it's, it's all about thinking, you know, and Mm -hmm. not so much about doing, you know, we like ideas. And I mean, even, you know, even just like spending an evening on the internet, you know, it's just like, oh, it's just like absorbing information, but it's like nothing like actually like physical or like or actual being. And for me, meditation, well, you know, we say mindfulness and it's like we think of the mind when when meditation, I mean, really mindfulness uh, meditation for me is all about the body are reconnecting with the body. I had this uh, meditation teacher in Nepal who is actually from Brooklyn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, he, he was like a Brooklyn expat. You know, Classic. he was like this, like, you know, Brooklyn Jewish guy, poet dude, hippie dude. Naturally. Uh, naturally. And he, he said one of my favorite, favorite definitions of meditation I've ever heard in this that meditation is whenever you just put the mind in the body. Mm, I really like that. Yeah. And so, 
to me again, and I always emphasize, that's why I start when I generally teach meditation, I, I opt for the body scan because I'm like, I don't want people to be thinking too much about this. I want mm-hmm. people to be feeling and experiencing uh, something uh, because, uh, yeah, it's just, that's the true knowledge is experiential knowledge. In Buddhism, they do talk a lot about uh, the difference between, you know, like intellectual knowledge and experiential knowledge. And I know for me personally, I was very much on the side of the intellectual knowledge for a long time. Like it took me like, you know, about a decade before I even really considered myself a Buddhist, even though I'd been studying all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, you know, I don't know. Like, I just think it's really interesting. I don't know about you know, a meditation practice, but eventually, you know, I did really start with the meditation practice and I was like, oh yeah, (laughs) this is really what it's all about. You know, is like this, this moment, this is where like actual change and progress is made, uh, rather than like, you know, just reading old ass esoteric text. (laughs) (laughs) You can take a break from that. Um, I don't know if this is the same thing or not, but I always, I'm always trying to escape my ego. And I think that a lot of that came from psychedelic experiences where I felt very liberated being separated from my ego and continued Mm -hmm. to, to search out that feeling. Ego death to Mm -hmm. me felt like the greatest liberation. Um, Mm. And so I, I, do you think that you can be in the body and simultaneously separate from your ego, or do you think the ego is also tied to the body? Oh man, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's my podcast now. You answer. Yeah, yeah, take over. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Let me think about that. Uh, yeah, it's it's so interesting because it's like there's different ways to approach that question. I'm like, do I approach it like from the Buddhist side? Do I approach it from the psychoanalytic side, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause like, you know, in psychoanalytic terms, you know, the ego is like, so is a very specific thing. Um, but I think I'm going to go with the Buddhist answer cause I really like it. Cause I think we do have this emphasis in our culture or like not, all of our culture, but, you know, generally Westerners or Europeans, uh, Western, you know, Europeans, Americans that get into Buddhism and these more like mystical types of practices and religions and mystical thought and stuff, you know, the ego is like bad. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, you know, it's all about destroying the ego and crushing the ego and like, you know, ego, it's bad. And, I've certainly felt that way for a while, but for me, as I've grown on, I'm like, no, the ego's there, and like the ego, the ego's not really going to go anywhere, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, like you see these uh, in Tibetan Buddhist art, you'll see like you know wrathful deities or like even peaceful deities, but they're holding weapons or knives, and for a long time I would describe uh, those weapons and implements as being something used to destroy the ego. But then my main meditation teacher, uh, 
Tom Campbell, who uh, I met at the Rubin, and he, he was a Tibetan Buddhist monk. He's an American, but he was a Buddhist monk in the Tibetan tradition for about seven years, and then he was a Zen monk for about t- uh, seven years. So, you know, <laughs> he's been around. Uh he was like, it's not destroying the ego, it's cutting off your attachment from the ego. Mm. And I think mm-hmm. that is that's the true um the true experience of or like that's really the true goal. It's not about ego destruction. Cause if you actually like you know, like what what would it mean to not have an ego? Right. I've thought about this a lot too, because I know there's like you would know much more than me, but is it the Buddhist theory of emptiness that says the mm-hmm. ego mm-hmm. is okay. So, so I read that a while ago and I, it really resonated with me. Um, and if I'm un- understanding that theory correctly, it's that the ego is constantly changing and is always a result of the interaction of external and internal elements, um, that make up us that's continuously mm-hmm. kind of dissolving and coalescing as we move through time and space. Right. Um, and that really resonated with me. Um, but then I was like, well, but I live in the world and I have an identity and a body and I have to pay rent and be a person. So like, what am I supposed to do? Just dissolve into the nothingness. Like I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, that was a sticking point for me for a while. And I yeah. sort of got to the point of thinking like, I still am me, Alicia Kravitz in the world with a job doing things. And that's beautiful and cool and I can build this whole life, but I don't want to be so attached to it that I can't dissolve into the oneness of all things and the unity of all beings. Um, either, you know, like I think again, it's about balance for me being able to enter into the oneness and to recognize that we're all connected and, um, all of that, but then also to inhabit my own life comfortably and take ownership over it too, you know? Yeah, I think that's exactly the right approach. And I mean, that struggle with that idea of emptiness is something, you know, very real uh, and something that I struggled. (laughs) I think I've also struggled with a lot. Um, But the key, the key thing about emptiness uh, that I think is often overlooked because a lot of people, they focus on the emptiness part. Um, that's what grabs your attention is that emptiness is mutually dependent on existence. So Mm, interesting without no existence, there could be no emptiness. And also therefore emptiness is also empty too, because emptiness also doesn't mean like it doesn't exist. It means they say emptiness, it's empty of inherent existence, which means nothing exists in and of itself. You know, nothing is eternal. And so, like, your ego is there, but it's just constantly changing. And there's, like, it's so complex. There's, like, no one thing that you could actually point to and be like, well, this is my ego. Like, this is mm. what defines my ego. It's, right. it's you know, it's it's the conglomerate. It's the, com- this the combination of you having, like, a body and consciousness and senses and all those things that like really you know make you that give you your perception of you and it's not that those things don't exist it's just no no one of those things would actually be able to define you you know Mm -hmm. totally it's the combo 
And uh, to <laughs> just because I love talking, you got me got me going now. Just because I love talking about <laughs> it real quick. Uh, historically, the reason why Buddhists would often emphasize this idea of impermanence is because in Vedic and uh, early what we would call it early early Hindu thought or early Hindu philosophy very much emphasized on the eternal, you know, and they had this idea of Brahman and Atman and that, you know, Brahman is the kind of universal oneness that pervades the universe. And then Atman is the, that part of you, the part of the Brahman that's in you and that's, that's Mm. internal, that's eternal and indestructible. And the Buddhists just kind of flipped it around. They're like, actually, no, (laughs) (laughs) There's, you know, what the unifying thing isn't a permanent thing. It's a void. It's what we call emptiness. And, uh, you know, that's what allows for existence to really even exist, um, according to their, to their ontological thought. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I love talking about emptiness and the history. It's a thing, actually, I just, a good point in terms of just studying Buddhist history just a uh, tip for those of you listening, if you want to study it, you always have to understand that when Buddhism was in, was in India, it was always in conversation with Hinduism. And so there's this longstanding tradition of philosophical debates within India. So, so much of Buddhist philosophy is referencing Hindu philosophy. So it's really good to like kind of study both in tandem so you can get the whole picture. Um, and what's more fun than studying Indian philosophy? I don't know what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Very few things. And who doesn't have the time these days? Yeah. And who doesn't? Yeah. You know, what, what, what is, you got something better to do? Yeah. (laughs) Nothing. Um, cool. Well, should we, uh, should we jump into some meditation? Yeah, let's do it. This will be my second one of the day. Again, to be pro. Actually, uh, this will be my, well, technically... I don't know. Fourth, I had a I had a meeting with a client earlier today. Okay, um, well, you're still so the master. We get her. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. Cool. So, what do you want to do? You want to do a body scan, or do you want to focus on the breath? Um, I think a body scan would be fun. I have not done that in a while. Cool. Let's do the body scan, and since we are talking about. The body and how it is important um, for meditation. Um, so, I mean, you meditate normally, but for those of you listening, um, if, you, if you're going to join us, uh, which you are invited to, of course, uh, you want to make sure that you're seated. Uh, I'd recommend, you can feel free to sit uh, cross-legged on the ground if you'd like, or you can just sit in a chair, uh, whatever you prefer. If you're going to sit in a chair, I would just make sure that you have your feet firmly uh, planted on the ground. Uh, You can feel free to meditate with your eyes open uh, or closed, uh, whatever is most comfortable for you. And then just make sure that your back is relatively straight, um, but not rigid. And that's actually a good, uh, as I always say, it's a good metaphor for our practice in that meditation a lot of times is about a balancing relaxation and awareness. Uh, So that's kind of how we want our spine to be. You know, we want it to be straight, but relaxed. So, all right, 
Uh, you ready to begin? I'm ready. Cool. All right. At the sound of the bell, we will begin. So now we will place our awareness on our feet. Just noticing how our feet feel right now in this moment. Maybe they feel warm. Maybe they feel cold. Maybe you notice particular textures touching your feet. However your feet feel right now, just recognize them and become aware of that part of your body. Now, we'll bring our awareness up to our seat, to where our body comes in contact with either the ground or the chair. Notice how you are held up and supported during your practice. Now, we'll raise our awareness up to our belly. Begin to notice the subtle movements of the belly as it follows the breath. Now, we'll bring our attention up to our heart, to that space in the center of our chest. Feel in to this part of your body and become aware of it.
Now, we'll bring our awareness to our shoulders, checking in with this part of our body. There's no need to change anything about your shoulders. Just notice how they feel right now in this moment. Now, we'll bring our awareness to the back of the head, feeling a part of our body we're often not aware of. All right, now we'll bring our awareness back down to our feet. Noticing any textures that are touching them. Now, we'll bring our awareness up to our seat, feeling the support for our practice. Now, we'll bring our awareness up to our belly, feeling its subtle movements. Now, we'll raise our awareness up to our heart, feeling that space in the center of our chest. Now, we'll 
raise our awareness up to our shoulders. Checking in with this part of our body. Now, we'll raise our awareness to the back of the head. All right. Now we'll bring our awareness back down to our feet. Now we'll bring our awareness up to our seat. Now we'll raise our awareness up to the belly. Now, we'll raise our awareness up to our heart. Now we'll raise our awareness up to the shoulders. And then to the back of the head. All right, in just a moment, I will ring the bell, ending our meditation session. Once I ring the bell, I invite you to join me in a bow, dedicating all the merit we've accrued today 
to the benefit of all sentient beings. All right. <clears throat> Sounds great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, how was it for you besides being great? Uh, anything you <laughs> notice, anything stand out about the experience? Definitely. I, I never, ever pay attention to the back of my head. So that was <laughs> a really nice place to like recognize and bring attention. Um, mm -hmm. Also, I, I rarely pay attention to like um, what is meeting my body, like what's holding me up, what's on the bottom of my feet. Mm. Um, I read once that we define ourselves by boundaries, like what touches us. Gives, if, if we were in a sensory deprivation tank, we wouldn't know where our feet end and something mm. else begins mm -hmm. because we don't have that contact that defines our, our lines. But I right, never think yeah. about it, it until those moments. And then it's, it's really cool to think about like what is defining my boundaries right? because in daily life, I just take it for granted. Like this is my foot, this is my leg, but I never think about <laughs> the point of contact that gives it shape. Right. Or, or how it feels even too, right? Like mm -hmm. how, how does it feel to have your foot on the ground or your ass in a chair or, <laughs> you know, the back of the right. head. I actually, uh, I did, a like, uh, a presentation, um, at, you know, at like a corporate gig for meditation. And this one woman was like, I did the same meditation. And the one woman was like, she's like, I can't really even feel the back of my head. And I was mm. like, well, <laughs> I guess, I mean, I guess that's true. Like it is, it's one of those things that doesn't always come into contact with things. So I guess that makes sense. I, but I have so much hair back there. I felt it. Yeah, you know, I mean, weight, I think, I, I mean, maybe I shouldn't, not to judge this person, but I was just thinking that, you know, I was like, well, this person might be kind of, you know, pretty out of touch with their body if they like can't feel the back of their head. Totally. And, I mean, uh, I think our whole culture is so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, this, this is the idea that, again, we don't, we don't focus on like our physical sensations and. When really, I mean, this is getting more into my psychoanalytic side, but I think Buddhism generally agrees with this, that, uh, <laughs> you know, every emotion really just starts, essentially starts from a physical sensation, you know, and then it's your mind interprets it and labels it as being like, as a good thing or a bad thing. And, uh, that's kind of where we get in trouble <laughs> a lot of the times, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think, I think. Um, totally. But anyway, uh, I mean, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, is there any other, any last questions, any last words, any last minute plugs you want to say to the people before we wrap up? Um, no, I just want to say hi to all the people. I hope everyone's well. <laughs> I really appreciate it, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Um, you know, I have a great respect for your practice and um, it's cool to have another point of like meeting and collaboration yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, th 
thank you. And, you know, I respect your practice and that, yeah, I was thinking, I didn't even think about this as like being like another one, another, uh, Alicia Jeremy joint, uh, but, but I guess it is, I guess it is another, uh, a collaboration here. So, well, thank you so much, totally. you know, again, My for being pleasure. here and, uh, I'm sure I will, uh, see you soon, uh, on a walk, uh, some point through Brooklyn. So definitely um, looking yeah, forward to it. Let's, let's do that soon. So, all right. Thanks again. And to everybody listening, I need to come up with a sign off thing, but <laughs> I guess to everybody <laughs> listening, uh, uh, you know, stay mindful out there, keep meditating, uh, you know, have fun with it. Uh, don't take it too seriously. Don't think about it too much. Uh, and, uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks, take care. This has been another episode of Meditating with Friends. If you enjoyed this podcast, check out my Instagram at Jeremy McMindfulness 